0: hauled podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea Thieves news to cover today, so tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates! I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, I'm going to be talking about the recent patch and some of the problems that came with it, the pirate code and toxicity found in the game, and then some articles releasing some information about content that's coming post-Arena. All that and more on this week's episode of the Kiel Hall Podcast. <laughs> First up on today's docket, let's cover the patch. So this week, we got patch 1.4... And the noticeable difference is that all of the limited time cosmetics and gilded voyages are now out of the game So I hope you had an opportunity to get those I hope you were able to get whatever you wanted to get done done over the Christmas break or over the holiday break I should say this patch also brings us some load time improvements as well as scalable text chat So what the scalable text chat is is in the accessibility section You can now go and slide the slider for the text chat from 1 to 1.5 increasing the pirate text Text on the screen. So, this is going to help a lot of Xbox players that sit further back from the screen to be able to read some of those uh, context pirate texts pop up when you're using the context radial. Uh, something that was uh, first announced back in 2017 by Shelly, actually. But with that, we also got some fixes. Uh, there's going to be a Canon radial fix for player screens when they were knocked away from a cannon no longer being stuck. Uh, Players on the Ferry of the Damned will now be credited for kraken kills by their crew, and you'll no longer uh, intermittently fall off the ship's ladders when reaching the top. That was something that I know some of us were always kind of frustrated with when it did happen, but it never really happened that much. So with this patch, we actually ended up getting some visual bugs. Uh, One bug in particular is one that is noticeable with the galleon and the brig, where parts of it will start to... Uh, shoot up into the air and flicker, and it seems really strange. Um, There is a temporary fix around this. They are aware of the issue, but if you lower the model detail down to cursed, you can actually turn this off. I know it doesn't make the game look very pretty, but this is a way to help kind of prevent you from having a mental breakdown from seeing this just flickering constantly in your screen. It does tend to get kind of annoying after a while. So other than that, we did find out, thanks to an article online, that basically mentioned that the Venom... And drowning effects, or drowning effects, are causing you to be unable to actually access barrels. So this is something that can be exploited by people right now. So if people are using venom balls against you, it is offend- it is essentially preventing you from being able to use the resources from your ship, kind of like a resource cannon- curse cannonball. So just be very cautious of that if you are uh, on an island with snakes, or if you're drowning and you're trying to get barrels from an actual shipwreck. Uh, Those things are making it more difficult to be able to get planks, get bananas, get cannonballs, things like that. So while we wait for some of these bugs to be fixed in the next coming update, there's a few things that I think you should probably keep an eye out for. While we don't know when the next update is coming or if it will be another bilge rat adventure before the arena, we do know that coming up is the streamer mode. Uh, We found out today actually that Joe has confirmed that the streamer mode that will be be implemented for Sea of Thieves is coming in the next update and should allow ease of access for streamers to be able to block the gamer tags of pirates that they encounter. Now we don't necessarily know if it's a straight block or a blurring, how it's actually going to be implemented, and if it's something that will uh, make, make the game a little more difficult to join on with other pirates that you meet in the world, but we do know that it's going to help prevent other people from getting gamer tags and then griefing those people outside of the game, and also making sure that the streamers don't have to necessarily worry about having their HUD turned off when they come across other pirates to make it easier for them to enjoy the game in an organic fashion. While we wait for the next update, we do know that we are going to be getting two more updates within the first quarter of this year. The first one's going to be the Arena, which I've talked about in the past and don't really need to cover until we have some more significant news about that. But we did find out that the next update post-Arena will be heavily focusing on adventure, and getting more lore and guided goals and story into the game. So what does that mean? Well, they're basically overhauling the quest system right now, and we don't exactly know what that means, but the goal of it is to help give players more story and more lore into the game through the quest system by making it more interesting, by giving us uh, the opportunity to do uh, multiple quests, or at least multiple stages, of quests uh, as we go on, and this is going to be uh, based on some of the the stuff that was done with the Hungering Deep and the Cursed Sails, where we went around and we... Did some of the quests that led you to Merrick and eventually the Hungering Deep and the Hungering One, as well as uh, Wanda and Salty uh, as they were building the cursed cannonballs and the the fleet of cursed sails. So how this impacts us as as a game is that the Adventure Mode will start to actually dive into more story and more lore, which is good. For those of us that want it, because what we're looking for is more information regarding uh, the Gold Hoarder, for example. We've had a lot of information with Stitcher Jim given as a result of the Devil Shroud and that campaign, and learning about the, uh, the Forsaken Alliance that was out there, and finding out that... The Gold Hoarder is uh, going to be implemented into the game at some point, we can imagine. Uh, As we know, the Devil Shroud moves and adjusts, revealing islands and covering islands, and eventually, I'm sure at some point, we'll start to actually get more information about who the Gold Hoarder is, where he's at, what's going on with him... And eventually, well, we kind of know who he is if you read the books or if you listen to the spoiler cast last episode. We do know that with the Gold Hoarder, uh, he's going to be playing a significant role eventually into the Sea of Thieves. We still have uh, Diving Bell and Nine Cats Nura and their result of getting the cursed chest and chalice from the Captain Flameheart's ship. And we still don't know what's going on with Captain Flameheart. He's been teased in the game with his emblem in Wanda's workshop on Wandering Refuge, if, you, if you're if you new to the game and you don't know what I'm talking about, if you go to Wanderer's Refuge in the big cavernous uh, portion of the island in the middle, on the west side, there's a small nook. You can actually go into and find the remnants of Wanda the Warsmith who is uh, was in during the curse sales was the weaponsmith from Golden Sands Outpost. Now, since then, she is gone. Uh, we don't know if we'll see her again. We don't know if she survived, but she's a skeleton. Her and her curse crews are still out in the world, and I found out that all of the forts, all of the skull forts that we have are manned by skeleton, well not manned, they're occupied by cursed skeleton crews. And the vaults that are in there are actually tributes to Captain Flameheart. Tributes that are left ungathered. And that's really interesting to me. Like I I never realized this until I found out about it. But what's really cool is that those forts have purpose. For, For the longest time we always just kind of assumed that a skull fort was just a place where skeletons were and they had a vault with treasure, but we didn't know why. And to find out that they are actually tributes to Captain Flameheart is interesting because we don't see anything on the skull forts to indicate that Captain Flameheart is the lord of those forts, and they're down for certain times. So we're not really—I'm not really sure when they occupy or when they pop up. But it, it is very interesting that the Skull Cloud, in my mind now, based based on that knowledge, is a cry, uh, a beacon for Flameheart to come and collect his tribute. Where he is and when he'll come, we don't know. Uh, but I guarantee you that when he does. Uh, it's gonna get kind of crazy. And I'm I'm interested to see if we're gonna to have to go out to search him. Because we know he's out there roaming, you know, we know that he's he's out there doing his piratey thing as a skeleton lord now. And much like the gold hoarder, we will probably have to uh, find out what's going on with him. Until then, we just kind of continue on our merry way, working towards Pirate Legend and finding uh, the Pirate Lord down in the Pirate Legend Tavern, hoping that we get more information, more loot, more reputation, and more shinies. Bringing in the new year, I did want to reach out to all of you pirates that are fresh to the Sea of Thieves. Maybe you've listened to me, maybe you haven't. Maybe you're finding me as a recommendation from the streams that I do. If you are, I did want to reach out to you and let you know that, I have a discord server that is for pirates. Now the code applies to the discord server as well as the seas, so anyone that comes is more than welcome to join, but we do want to make sure that you are being respectful of everyone else and their right to play. I'm going to be going a little more into that, but if you're brand new to the game and you want to know a little bit what to do, there's plenty of things to do. Uh, there's three trade companies out right now, not including bilge rats, uh, in the tavern that you can go out and voyage, uh, A lot of the gold hoarders will give you quests to go dig up X marks the spot riddles and uh, to do actual riddles and find different locations. If you're interested in finding out more information about where to go and where islands are when you're not playing the game, I would definitely recommend the Rare Thief. He makes a great uh, iOS and Android app who has which he's basically put pretty much all the information that you could possibly want about islands uh, different riddle quests, animals, names, locations, things like that, all into that app. It's a great resource if you're a new pirate. Some of the things I can recommend to you as a, uh, as a new pirate is if you're going out into the world and you want to uh, earn the best gold, Uh, It's going to take some time to grind. Feel free to jump into Discord servers, either the Sea of Thieves one or ones that are set up through other communities, streamers likewise, and start sailing with other people. Uh, Get to know the ropes. I always recommend uh, taking a sloop out first so you can kind of orient yourself with where things are and what things do. And then once you get into uh, a rhythm of of what things do, you don't necessarily have to go out and do a first voyage, but getting acquainted with a ship, maybe looking up some information about what each ship part does, I think it will... uh, I I think it will help you out understand that there are two controls for sails. You've got to raise and lower them. They give you the forward motion regardless of if you're going into the wind or not. And then the angle of the sails to actually give you the most speed possible. There is an anchor. Uh, I've heard that it works. Um, I don't typically use it because uh, typically when you do use it, you find yourself locked into position. And if you're on a galleon, for example, and you're the only person being able to raise up that galleon anchor, it takes a long time. So I tend to recommend people learn the, I can't think of the weather word, but basically uh, when you start to slow down and how long it takes you to slow down when you're sailing. Uh, When you raise up the sails, how long does it take for your ship to actually stop? Uh, You don't want to be out on an island and then see sails on the horizon coming towards you and find yourself caught, unable to leave because the anchor's down. And with cursed cannonballs, this can really kind of exasperate the issue. Uh, They can have cursed cannonballs that will drop your anchor or raise your sails. So making sure that it's up already can tend to help make sure that you don't get caught and you can leave uh, at a moment's notice. All you have to do is drop the sails. I always recommend turning off the lantern lights until you feel comfortable. It makes it less uh, easy or it makes it... Uh, less noticeable on the horizon if you have your your lights off. Uh, that being said, you can still see the lights from a distance when they're below deck. Sometimes, depending on the loading speed or the loading time, dis- ships in the distance uh, will load the lights in first and then the actual ship. Uh, and then that way you can kind of see ships on the horizon with the lights below deck. Uh, but that does increase or the, the trouble of actually having to See what's below deck when you're running down there to check the map and stuff. That being said, get familiar with north, south, east, and west. Knowing which way is which uh, and being able to read a map can really make a difference. Get to know some of the islands and their shapes. Uh, every time you're, you're on an island or if you, if you uh, get a riddle or a map, mark it on the actual map so that way you know where to go. Uh, when you pick up a voyage from one of the three trading companies, make sure that you go to your captain's table in the ship, whether it be uh, behind the stairs on the uh, next to the bed on the brig or if it happens to be right behind the window in the cannon barrels on the sloop or behind the, ma- the main mast in the galleon. Drop it, or actually, no, I'm sorry. The captain's table is up in the action, actual captain's gallery in the back of the ship on the galleon. I was thinking of the map table. Drop it and make sure that everyone votes on it. Uh, everyone needs to have a majority of vote to be able to drop your ship or to drop the uh, the voyage to actually start it. You only get, tr- you only get reputation and gold when you turn stuff in as well, too. So just because you finish a voyage doesn't necessarily mean that you get the credit for it. In fact, completing a voyage doesn't grant any experience at all. So don't worry about necessarily having to leave a voyage unfinished if you have to go. Just make sure you turn in everything you have. There's plenty of threats out in the world, and I can't recommend you enough to get supplies when you get into the game right off the bat. There's going to be outposts that you spawn in. Anytime you spawn in on an actual outpost, it's going to be an outpost that for the most part should be relatively safe. There shouldn't be any ships that close to it. Uh, There may be ships heading to it, but those should be far enough in a distance that when you spawn in it is still relatively safe enough to get the supplies from the tavern, drop those off, and then pick up some of the supplies over by the shipwright over by the dock. Those are just a few of the tips. Uh, I don't want to go too much into detail because a lot of you are veterans and don't necessarily need this information, but I thought that a little bit of help out the gate for new pirates might be warranted based on just the influx of new people coming in as a result of the holiday season and everyone getting a good deal on sea of thieves or xboxes for that matter all right i think i put this off enough and i think it's time i address it recently we've had uh summit g or 1g Summit 1G, I guess, uh, who has started playing Sea of Thieves for the last month. Now, he played it back in, I believe it was March when it first came out, and has since not played too much of it. Uh, But as a result of Shrouded Spoils and with the Gilded Adventures, there's been a renewed interest and an increase in his popularity. What it has done is brought a lot of players to Sea of Thieves that otherwise wouldn't have played the game. Uh, Watching his highlights and his streams always seemed very entertaining uh, because he would generally go and sneak on ships and steal their treasure. Something that a lot of pirates find interesting or or, uh, would tantalizing when they have big hulls. Uh, A lot of us typically go to -to ship-to-ship combat and sink a ship as a result getting their loot that way. But he prefers to go out for more of the long con. And I've watched his streams sporadically as a result of him switching over to uh, Sea of Thieves. I did watch him in the past for other stuff. He's not the type of streamer that I typically watch. I like the smaller streams where I can usually communicate with the streamer and have a nice interaction with them. A lot of the Sea of Thieves streamers are still aware of their chat enough to read normal text. And most of his chat are kind of soundbite clips. Uh, They all say one small thing or... They tend to move as a a horde, and the only thing that he actually reads out are the donations, uh, which people get upset about because he doesn't necessarily read out uh, the text for every single donation, something that he has trouble keeping up with, which I can understand if you're donating money to someone and they don't read your message, it can be kind of frustrating because you're, you're literally spending money just to get your voice heard. Whereas in the smaller chats, smaller streamers tend to be able to communicate with their their chat on a regular basis and not necessarily have to have them spend money to get that kind of uh, communication with them. When you're streaming and you have 30 000 to 50,000 people in your chat watching, I can understand it's impossible to actually read them. So donations are really realistically the only way to actually get those out. But one thing I've noticed is that he tends to have uh, a community that is of a mob mentality. Uh, one person says one thing or one, one group reacts one way and they all tend to follow suit with maybe a few outliers here and there. That can be dangerous. It can be great because sometimes you can motivate them to do some really awesome things like charity streams. But sometimes you get toxicity and trolling. And that's kind of where I wanted to talk about what's been going on with Sea of Thieves because as a result of his streams he's brought players to the community who've been of the mindset that some people are playing the game in the wrong way. And the wrong way is based on their perspective. So what do I mean when I say perspective? Well, so far, and I've tried to read as many comments, uh, dive into as many forums, and watch as many VODs as I can, and try and get a general consensus on how people feel about what Sea of Thieves should mean to everyone. Uh, Their perspective, from what I understand, revolves heavily around people that have open discords, that are building their discord around the concept of making server alliances for the game. Uh, What does it mean to get a server alliance? Well, in the game, you have multiple ships, and every ship is crewed and spawned in randomly. Now, you can crew up with your friends, and if you want to have more than just, say, like a galleon's worth of friends, you can buy other ships from other players by digging up treasure, getting loot, and then offering it to another crew. The only way you can offer it to them is if you sail up to them and actually communicate with them somehow either through voice chat or through messages on Xbox. But essentially what you have to do is convince another ship on this server to be able to give up their ship. And what they mean by giving up is you give them treasure or they give up their ship willingly, free of cost. They turn in that treasure, one of their crew members leaves, and then invites someone from your group to that ship, effectively transferring ownership. There's no way to spawn in a new ship. Once a a ship is on a server, that's it. There's no other ship that can take its place. So if there's a server that has one galleon and five sloops, that server will only have one galleon and five sloops once that server is purchased. So... To be able to convince an entire server to join an alliance or to give up their their ships to a Discord server who's trying to buy out a server is very difficult. Because you're at the mercy of people randomly deciding whether or not they want to actually give up their ship. Especially if they've put in a lot of work to get supplies for that ship. Time is a very valuable commodity for Sea of Thieves and it takes a lot of time to do stuff in the game especially when it comes to resource gathering. So being able to convince another crew to give up their hard-earned time and resources because you want to have the server can be very difficult, which is why a lot of players tend to dig up treasure and use that as trade for their ship, resources for gold. So they're targeting these servers Uh, And not all the time. Let me make that very clear. This is not something that they were solely doing. They were only doing this a few times and only when people are supplying them with information. So people that are going into servers for Sea of Thieves communities and asking if this is a PVE server, let them know that it's not. Let them know that it is a mixed server and they'll generally leave you alone. But what they went and did And I don't know if this is something that they are continuing to do because the last stream that he did was kind of a solo sloop, chill out kind of uh, stream. So what they're doing is uh, they, they had gone in to some of the PVE servers and started to disrupt it, started to take the treasure, grief... And steal uh, what they had been working on. You know, they're they're kind of trying to disrupt these PvE groups who are working towards building a server that is safer for players. Now, the reason why they want to do this from the PvE perspective is they like to have a safer environment to play. Maybe they have family members they're trying to introduce to the game. Maybe they have kids that they want to be able to play and experience it with them. Who knows why they want to do it? Some people have anxiety issues and enjoy pirates but don't necessarily like to deal with the fact that they have to fight other pirates for their treasure. Some have been griefed so badly that they want to avoid PvP at all costs because of the bad experiences that they've had. Some, and I find this a lot, are actually just female gamers that are trying to play the game in an environment where they aren't going to get harassed for being a female and a gamer. So sometimes these are safe havens for people who have been basically hindered upon. Uh, they paid for a game. They have the right to play their game however they want. And who is it for us, any of us, to say that they shouldn't be able to play the game the way they want? Article 1 of the Pirate Code says that the sea calls to us and everyone is welcomed on the sea of thieves, regardless of age, gender, race, sexuality, nationality, or creed. This also make sure that anyone that comes in can play however they want as long as it doesn't break the code. And what the code means is essentially that it goes to Article 7. Basically, don't cheat. Don't break the Terms of Service or the Code of Conduct with the Xbox Live program. Or, don't cheat the game by doing anything that is uh, going to grief or troll exploit, um, do things that, that aren't intended by uh, uh, the game in nature, you know, something that you shouldn't be doing that would get you uh, banned from the game any other way. So with these PVE servers, who are they harming? Well, a lot of people seem to think that they are harming the game by not having part of the game in in their PVE server. If there's no PvP, then it's not truly all of the game. And while a lot of people feel like that is an exploit, They're not really exploiting because it's something that they did in the game naturally. They are deciding not to PvP. Now, if that PvE server decides they want to run their own little PvE training company, then that's up to them. They can PvP anytime they want. They can choose to break the alliance in there as all, uh, at any given time, but it's not for anyone else to decide to be the arbiter on whether or not that server deserves to have PvP or PvE on there. We shouldn't be the ones to decide how they play their game. We should just play the game ourselves and naturally have experiences, whether it be PvE or PvP or a mix of both. So when it comes to infiltrating other discords, don't. It's not nice, it's trolling, it's griefing, and there's no honor in that. And one of the things about playing this game is just being a pirate with honor, and that's something that Joe goes into detail in the last update video. I feel like I've kind of labored on this a lot, so I'm going to let that stand. That being said, I have recently seen that Summit is starting to see how we prefer to have the game played, and that his perspective is just his perspective. What he believes to be an exploit isn't necessarily an exploit, otherwise those people would have been banned a long time ago when Rare went through and did a large ban on a lot of people who were exploiting the tutorial mode from the outpost where they never left the outpost and you could not kill those people. People were exploiting it, they were hiding out on the outpost and killing players that came in to turn in loot and then turning in the loot for themselves. Those accounts got banned. That was an exploit. Next up on today's docket, I think it's time we talk about what could be considered an exploit. And in fact, a lot of people do. Double guns. Should they exist? Are they exploiting? Those are tough questions. And I've given a lot of thought about how I feel about the double guns. And for the most part, I like having double guns, but not necessarily for something in PvP. When it comes to PvP, I think of how I feel about being a pirate, and being a pirate, I think of a lot of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies where a lot of the battles that you saw on ship to ship were dealt with swords. Mostly, because you couldn't reload your weapon with time. You would generally get attacked. So swords were always kind of the base weapon for a lot of pirates. Because it was always there, and you could do a lot of things with it. So when it comes to PvP, I try to use a sword and my eye of reach. Uh, I used to use the pistol a lot when that was uh, kind of after the... When people started to stop letting you get close enough to to be able to fire a blunderbuss. Because it used to be a blunderbuss. And uh, sword and eventually you would use the sword to sword lunge over to a ship, board, use a blunderbuss to kill the captain or kill the uh, the person next to the cannon and that wasn't too bad. Then it moved over to having the pistol because the pistol was a good way to snipe gunpowder skeletons and once those kind of got into the norm and we started to deal with those on a regular basis it really pushed us to have more range and eventually people started getting to the point where they were quicker with a eye of reach and the damage was good enough that they learned that an eye of reach will knock out 90% of your health. And typically, if, if the servers were acting properly, it only took one swipe of your sword to kill them. So they would go in, sniper, and then sword lunge or swipe on the actual person. So go for a point-blank sniper shot. And that was pretty effective. It was effectively a two-shot, but it required you to be within melee range of the actual person to be able to kill them. Then there was the double-gun meta, and the double-gun meta, for intense purposes, is a valid use of weapons. You can choose to do that and if you miss you're going to be out some time to be able to reload both weapons. But the trouble comes with being able to effectively switch weapons so quickly that you can shoot the same spot without necessarily having to have much effort. You can fire, switch, fire, and shoot the same point uh, without having to aim down sight and kill someone instantly. Almost instantly. There's there's very little opportunity for you to actually move. Uh, If a player isn't skilled enough to swap quickly enough you can sometimes get a jump but because hitboxes are normalized it doesn't matter where they hit you you're going to die so what does this mean for the game well it means that there's a lot of people using this method to kill people over and over again and when you're on an Xbox uh, typically you have longer load times and that's something that they're working on improving but it is still an issue. So you can effectively load into the game, your body will still be there, and your health will still be uh, available, but for the most part, you won't be able to do anything until the screen actually moves in. Giving the person who's on your ship, if they've managed to kill you once, a safe opportunity and window to actually kill you with another double gun snipe, sending you back to the ferry. Doesn't seem very fair to me, especially when they have no recourse. They can scuttle their ship, but they're fighting for their, their treasure, and they should have an equal opportunity to fire. How do we fix this? There's been a lot of suggestions out there just to break it. There's been a lot of suggestions to remove the ability to have double guns, so that players must have one sword and one weapon, or one pistol, and they can choose to have which gun they want. Some people have come up with some more interesting ideas, I think are some good ones. Um, being able to have the gun uncocked when you are pulling it out. So you have to cock it before you actually fire. That way you're not using a loaded gun cocked and ready from your hip. This would give players an opportunity. They have to plan their shots, basically. You have to know you give yourself enough time to be able to fire at someone uh after you've already decided that you're going to shoot them you have to have that that load time this would break the double gun fairly well because it would add enough time between the of reach, loading, firing, switching to the pistol, loading, and then firing that you could effectively get away from instantly being killed. Uh, Another suggestion I had uh, that I was thinking about today was making yourself invulnerable for a certain amount of time after the ferryman uh, ride. Say walking through the doors of the ferryman gives you the opportunity to have a blessing on him. Uh, He sends you back to the world and you become uh, invulnerable for five seconds, giving you an opportunity to react. The trouble comes is that that doesn't necessarily hold up depending on server stability and latency as well as uh, dealing with load times for different machines. So there's lots of ways that we can work around this while still maintaining the double gun option because I do like having the double guns especially when dealing with krakens or gold skeletons on islands but it's not necessarily fair to people who are inexperienced in the game and are trying to get loot In dealing with someone who is more experienced and better at shooting. So this is something that's gonna be talked about in the uh, next week with Joe. Joe has tweeted out that he will be talking about that topic and seeing if there's something that can be done to alleviate the pains that a lot of players are feeling right now as a result of this. And this is something that's been in the game for a very long time. This isn't anything new. It's something that's been in the game since launch. The main consensus is that to fight with honor generally means that you're going to be fighting someone else, and you value the sword for other reasons. Uh, A lot of us tend to use the sword lunge to get to and from ships, uh, as well as uh, lunging through uh, the area to, to be able to, um, close the gap, if you were, uh, when you're actually attacking other players too, especially if they're guarding. You can generally break their guard using a sword lunge, and the sword lunge does a fair amount of damage as well too, so usually if you shoot someone with a pistol or a blunderbuss, if you don't quite get them, then a sword lunge can knock them off the ship, or you can get close enough to be able to get a good swipe in afterwards. I'm looking forward to seeing what rare designs about this. Uh, Hopefully they come to something that I think the community can agree upon without turning too many people away from uh, being able to play the game. Next up on today's docket, let's talk about Duke the Dark Lord. He is in the tavern, as always, just kind of hanging out. But at the moment, he's not normally where he would be. Uh, Usually he's hanging around the tavern, and right now he's hiding. He's uh, hanging out behind one of the pillars next to the mysterious stranger for the pirate legend turn-in. And it's brought a lot of people questioning why? What is the point of him being over there? Is there something going on that we don't know? And if you talk to them, uh, he's only really got a couple things to say. He's talking about the the funny taste of the Tina's grog and uh, the mysterious uh, pirate that he may or may not have actually seen and it makes me wonder if so. there's something else going on. The dialogue itself sounds like it's uh, during a time when there isn't anything going on for the bilge rats which makes sense since we just came off of the gilded quests and the shrouded spoils. There's not much going on for the bilge rat adventures. Uh, we don't know if there is a bilge rat adventure coming soon but here's my theory. Right now we're on the precipice of the arena. Uh, I don't think it's coming at the end of this month. I think it's going to be coming in February. We don't really know when, but uh, that's kind of my current timeline right now. Since we just had uh, Shrouded Spoils, I imagine we'll probably get one... Good bilge rat adventure towards the middle to late end of January that will feed into February. And then towards February we'll hopefully be getting the arena. Now, with the arena, uh, that brings us DeMarco. And DeMarco is one of, he is uh, one of the kids of the Pirate Lord and he is a very big kind of he, he's a grandstand guy you saw in the trailer if you got a chance to check it out for the arena that he's up on the table kind of talking and uh, talking up the, the arena and how it's going to be fun and how everyone's going to be able to challenge each other and see who comes out as top pirate and one of the better ways to tell people in adventure mode that there's a, a new mode and it revolves around the sea dogs is to have DeMarco hanging out in the tavern. Now, if DeMarco is going to be true to his character, he's going to be grandstanding. He's going to be kind of boisterous and up in your face when you get into a tavern. So it would make sense to have Duke, the Dark Lord, hanging out, hiding behind a pillar if DeMarco is there, part of the Sea Dogs, to try and take control of the area or the tavern itself, just in a sense that he wants to have the main stage for himself to kind of talk up the arena. And that would put Duke in a position where he's a little, more uncomfortable. He's been mostly just hanging out in the tavern, telling us about some of the things going on in the world. And with the arena, I think with DeMarco coming into the game, it's a perfect opportunity for them to have that. So why is he doing it now? Well, this kind of goes back to January, uh, in back, or no, excuse me, not January, July. Back in July, we had uh, the lead-up to Cursed sales with Wanda the Warsmith, or just Wanda at the moment when she was a weaponsmith on Golden Sands Outpost. Now, during that time, there was a point where she was looking at her arm, and we weren't really sure why she was looking at her arm because her arm looked fine, but it was definitely something that was noticeable, and a lot of people thought it was fishy. And that was the point that they thought that the curse sales was starting to have some influence and something was going on with her. Come to find out, everything went back to normal for a week, and then she started to, to you started to hear rumors of her messing around with something with Salty. And Salty came back, and we found out that he was turned into an undead pirate as a result of working with Wanda and the cursed metal from the cannon from Captain Flameheart's sunken ship. They created the cursed cannonballs, and then the, the week before curse sales went live. Wanda had an arm that was completely skeleton. There was no flesh or bone. She was cursed and you could see it. Uh, the flesh had fell, fallen away and she would inspect her arm when you weren't looking but you could still see her through the doorway of her, her weaponsmith weaponsmith, uh, or her weapon shop on Golden Sands and that was kind of an evident thing where you would see that uh, the animation was there. They had it set but it was turned on two weeks early. Fast forward to now we have. Duke the Dark Lord sitting in the tavern cowering behind a pillar for no apparent reason. But we know that there's a good chance that someone is going to be injecting themselves into the world of Sea of Thieves and is a very big, boisterous character, DeMarco. So to me, I'm thinking that this is one of those situations where there's a possibility that the animation was turned on prior to when it should have been, that this is something that is going to be showing up later on when the arena is about to go live and DeMarco. Marco is now present in the game. I don't know this for certain. I've made inquiries and I will probably never find out, but if it happens, let it be said that I thought this was going to happen first. Uh, one little thing that I did want to let you guys know about going out into the uh, the end of the episode. Um, I'm going to keep this short and sweet because I want to make sure I get it out. And unfortunately, I have an early morning tomorrow. So I want to make sure I get up and get some good sleep for that. That being said, uh, I am still working on part two of the spoiler episode for the uh, the Athena's Fortune book. With that, I don't know exactly when it's going to be coming out, but it will will be in supplemental to or it will be in addition to the normal uh, actual episode so I'm not sure when I'll be able to get that finished up but I am kind of working on getting notes together to be able to record that so that I can have it out sometime during the week of uh, one of the sometime in January when you'll be able to actually listen to that. Uh, that being said, the other thing I did want to mention is uh, one thing that Ken Monkey on Twitter started and I've been helping kind of uh, push and I've had a lot of people kind of respond to me as well and I even found that it was pushed, uh, put, pass, passed on to the Sea of Thieves forums was three of your favorite sounds in Sea of Thieves. And I thought this was kind of funny because Cannon Monkey started out having it be uh, mostly related to sounds from cannons, which makes sense with Cannon Monkey. Uh, but I went, uh, I went out there and I thought about some of my favorite sounds. And one of the first ones that I thought of that I really just love is uh, what I think Beard Again coined as the phrase, dead man's click, which is the sound of your gun when you're clicking it and it has no shot in it. Uh, that that for some reason I just love that sound, it infuriates me but I love Love hearing it from someone else. Uh, the second one is the bell on the ship during a storm. If you've ever been in a storm and you've listened to the bell it's got that light clanger sound now when you when you hear it kind of sway back and forth and that's just a little touch that they added recently that I just absolutely love. And the last thing is the sound of the Pirate Legend Tavern door opening, the secret entrance. Uh, The noise and the grinding and then the thuds that the steps make when when they fall into place is just absolutely perfect. And I have to hand it to... Uh, Mike Chapman for really kind of slaving over the sound of that. Uh, it, it sounds perfect and some of the sounds remind me of Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom when one of the stone doors is falling and Indy reaches underneath of it just in time to grab his hat. It's perfect. I absolutely love it. I love hearing some of the, uh, the folks that have written on Twitter and on the forums about some of their favorite sounds, and I'm curious to find out what some of your favorite sounds are. So feel free to send me your list at c-a-p-t-l-o-g-u-n at gmail.com. You can always always find me on Twitter as well at c-a-p-t underscore l-o-g-u-n, and feel free to let me know what you think some of your favorite sounds are in the world. It could be anything. I've had a lot of people tell me that it's the sound of uh, other pirates, playing shanties or some of the uh, the sounds from cannon blasts or uh, gunpowder barrels or the sounds of uh, skeletons exploding into a pile of bones. So many different things out there that are in this game that sound amazing and it's really interesting to find out what some of those are for different people. <music> Alright, last item on today's docket, I did want to tell you one quick little story that I had that I really enjoyed over on the stream Uh, the other day I was playing, and I've been going out and doing some solo uh, slooping as usual, and I've been starting to actually stream that a little bit more now, getting in the habit of that, and I was just about to finish up when I had about maybe... 40 minutes or so left in my uh, stream and I ended up getting attacked by a Megalodon and it was the Crested Queen and I was actually just kind of happy because it's one of the few that is easier to take down and I was uh, starting to kind of wonder if I was actually going to find a Megalodon. I'm still kind of hunting them and hunting for the Shrouded Ghost. I don't know that I'll ever see one but it's still one of those things where I want to always try and get at least one Megalodon kill under my belt before I log out for the night. So as I'm sitting there finishing up the uh, the Megalodon fight, uh, things are going really well and a lot of the treasure drops. In fact, a couple gemstone c- cases drop and a skeleton chest. And just overall a good haul. And as I'm picking up the last couple pieces of water from, my ship, uh, from the water to the ship, I notice that there is a sloop that is starting to head over towards me from Paradise Spring area over towards the Uh, towards Plunder Outpost, and as I'm watching them, I'm kind of wondering, okay, well, is this going to be an encounter? Are they going to try and shoot me and take my stuff? Do I need to get prepared? What's going on? Meanwhile, this is all on stream, and I'm in the middle of a water holding a crate trying to work this all out in my head. As I get back to the ship, I get up, and I actually get a better vantage point of what's going on, and I notice that there is an ancient one eating this other sloop and they are just having a heck of a time dealing with it. I actually think they're trying to run away from this thing, but it's not going to let them have it. And I'm just kind of sitting back thinking, okay, well they're busy with that. So I think I've got some time to actually grab the little bit of treasure that's left in the water. And once I gather it all up and I get back to the ship, I'm looking over. The sloop is gone but there's a couple shinies in the water and i immediately realized that this sloop has managed to sink from this ancient one in the water and i've got two options one i can ignore the treasure that's over there and just go turn in and finish up the stream and have a nice night or i can engage and hopefully get their treasure, if not kill the Meg. So I decide to go with the latter. I sail over and I can't seem to find out where their treasure went and Stream's telling me that it's a little bit closer to Plunder Outpost. But just as I'm about ready to turn around and start heading that direction, the Ancient One spawns and is now on top of me. So I get prepared and start doing what I do best when it comes to a Meg fight. I grab my cannonballs, I grab my planks and a couple shot for my uh, Eye of Reach and I start to throw this the ship into a spin hopefully going with the actual Megadon, megalodon circling. And I start putting shots into her and she's getting into the position where she's right at my stern and I can't quite get a good cannon shot so I've been shooting a lot of I have reach shots at her to try and take her down and it just seems to be taking a lot longer. And I start to notice that when she comes in for a bite, her bites hurt a lot more than the crested queen. With the crested queen, I've always noticed that you'll generally get around three to maybe four hits per bite. And that's usually not too much to worry about. You can usually take one, fill up a couple, throw some water out, and go back to killing out the the crested queen. With the ancient one, I'm starting to notice that their bites are a lot heavier. In fact, I was with Evil Monkey, I believe, one night, and I was actually having a lot lot more trouble with this uh, ancient one, the yellow one. And Every time they took a bite, it just seemed to take out four or five hits out of the actual hull, and I was really surprised by this because I didn't I didn't think that megalodons were varied as far as power. I always felt that they were kind of the same power, you know. They just had different spawn rates. You know, you generally saw the crested queen the most. I generally saw the ancient one, second the hungering one, uh, red maw or shadow maw, and then the uh, the shrouded ghost, which is still kind of the the mystery amongst all the other megalodons. And I'm starting to think that maybe there might be something to them having different powers or different uh strengths, you know, how, how dangerous they actually are. As I was killing this uh, megalodon, I started to realize that I was going to have to start slowing down my turn because uh, it was slowing down its circle and uh, I wasn't able to get enough cannon shots on it. And I had to slow down to the point where I was actually almost at a complete standstill before I could finally get three to four cannon shots in on this Megalodon. Meanwhile, it's still taking off a bunch of chunks in my ship. And the more chunks it takes, the longer it takes for me to actually get in, uh, get it all repaired, get the water uh, thrown out, and get back to actually hurting the Megalodon. So... continue going on with my battle and it's just a, a game of attrition at this point. And I finally get to the point where I'm just fed up with this. I'm going to leave a couple of the holes and just start actually firing cannon shots in the hopes that I kill this thing sooner than it sinks me. And it works out great. I managed to actually kill it and I managed to get some of the loot. And the loot from it was actually far less in value than it was for the Crested Queen and I was kind of surprised by that. But regardless, I managed to make it over to Paradise spring dig up one more chest and make it back to the outpost to turn in what little loot that I had left over from the second portion of my voyage and I have started to take this into consideration when I go out solo slooping I've been going out and doing a lot more of half of a voyage turning in, and then going out for another half. And that way I don't feel like I'm constantly hoarding a bunch of gold on me, making me more susceptible to a really bad Kraken attack, or a Skeleton ship spawning in the middle of a battle with another ship, or just getting uh, bullied out by another Galleon in general. So... If you're out there and you're sailing and you're hunting out these different things, keep in mind you're always going to be dealing with another thing. You're never alone until you are uh, with, until you're basically at the dock. And even then, sometimes someone will sail up to you. So always anticipate having at least one major fight to deal with between islands. And I think that will help out a lot of people from losing loot in between uh, voyages or during voyages when you're kind of gathering stuff up. And if you feel like you're getting into a situation where there's too many AI threats and there are ships around, always feel free that you can only sail close to other islands to kind of despawn the megalodons at least. That way you're not having to worry about how you're going to manage dealing with the the threat that kind of pops up at the moment. With the skeleton ships you can kind of skirt them around islands to get them to leave you alone. Uh, They don't quite path around them as easily as uh, other things in the world and the krakens unfortunately are just one of those threats that you just have to deal with when you get hit with them. With the sloops I have noticed that it only takes about three tentacles for it to uh, manage to actually get uh, considered to actually consider it being dead and if you're if your ship does get wrapped there are going to be uh, smaller lower tentacles uh, that are just the maws themselves in uh, the port and starboard side, they'll spawn up right next to the actual uh, cannons, so you can actually fire at them. And if you do that enough times, it will eventually leave your your uh, your actual ship alone. It'll it'll leave the wrap. Uh, you'll still get slapped from time to time, but typically not when you're being wrapped. So just hopefully those will help you out. There's not much other than treating the skeleton ships like you would another ship. Use cursed cannonballs on it if you have them make sure that you're staying on top of getting your ship repaired and using your sails to slow down to get better shots and better angles on it and use that time to actually work on becoming better at seamanship because with the arena coming up with more threats in the world you're definitely going to want to be good on the helm and on the cannons and the skeleton ships are basically training modules for you to be able to complete some of those things they have the same tools that other ships would have and are just a little less geared toward stealing your stuff and disrupting you as it is with dealing with other pirates on the seas pirates that's going to do it for this episode of kill halt i hope you enjoyed it Uh, feel free to let me know you can always write me at capt underscore l-o-g-u-n on twitter Uh, You can always send me an email at C-A-P-T-L-O-G-U-N at gmail.com. You can always reach me on Xbox at C-A-P-T-A-I-N L-O-G-U-N That's my gamertag. There's plenty of ways to jump into the Discord and join the conversation that's happening there. We have general pirate chat areas. We have a looking for group area. We have spoilers, plunder shots, first mate's logs, uh, plenty of things as far as what you can talk about and where you can go to enjoy conversation. And I've been happy a lot of pirates come and tell me that they are out of friends basically not necessarily out of friends sorry that's a bad way to put it but the normal crew that they're running with has moved on to different games for whatever reason maybe they're they're tired of Sea of Thieves for the moment and they want to take a break and they want to play some of the other games that have been coming out this last year totally understandable so If you're looking for someone to sail with and you're willing to abide by the discord rules as well as the pirate code and just be a general decent human being you're always more than welcome to join the keelhaul podcast discord server it's a great place to have a good conversation share tales and have kind of a tavern experience outside of the game and get to meet different people as well. With that being said, that's gonna do it for this episode of Kill Hall. Pirates, thank you, I love you, I hope you had yourselves a good day and I look forward to sailing with you on the Sea of Thieves.